Pretty Mental is about accepting our full selves and inspiring others to do the same by being daringly unfiltered. This means completely normalizing all things mental health and the wild journey that has brought us here. We are challenging the stigmatization of normal human suffering, and we are done pretending and subscribing to the notion that it is taboo to have challenging mental health experiences. Welcome to the Pretty Mental Health Club, and enjoy the show. Pretty Mental family, we love you. We missed you. Welcome back. Welcome back, Pretty Mental family. Today we got deep into a conversation on the energy of fear and how it plays, just unpacking further on how it plays such a big role on our in our experiences of depression and anxiety and everything that comes along with that energy and how to challenge it, what we've learned about it. It's a really juicy conversation that you're not going to want to miss. We talked about how it impacts the body too, or how the body impacts fear and the body impacts the experience of our life and how much control we have over our life when we have control over our body. So yeah, we, all that personal power, physical power, mental power, all of that comes together And you'll have to listen to the rest of the podcast to get all the juicy details. (laughs) And with that, Pretty Mental family, take in a deep breath with us. And tune in. Calling in our higher selves. Calling in every single part of us. We open ourselves up fully to everything that is here for us for whatever dialogue wants to happen today. We open our bodies up as vessels for whatever wants to come through, for the highest healing of ourselves, our community, and for the highest healing of the planet. We open ourselves up fully. The portal is now open. What up? Hi. Hello, Hello. Valentina and Pretty Mental Family. What's up? Welcome back. We are back on our old platform because that new platform sucks. (laughs) You guys didn't. (laughs) If you're diligently following our YouTube, you might have noticed a slight absence in our (laughs) posting. (laughs) But, you know, we back. And hello, 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 pretty mental fam. We love you. We, some of you guys were in my last full moon breathwork session. And it's always so cool when those can, they come together. I can't wait. I can't wait to have that experience. Oh, it's amazing. It's so cool. It's so cool. And because then I feel like I I also just go deeper into what we just spoke about on the podcast because our listeners are like, oh yeah, I listened to the podcast so I can reference it. And I'm like, we said this on the podcast and this is what came through during our breathwork session. So I'm going to be doing those every single full moon. And the link is in the show notes. If you guys want to join and in our bio and invite a friend, invite your family, invite whoever you think would benefit from the practice. It has radically changed my life and 
making huge improvements in the lives of my clients, just really learning about the breath and its impact on our experience and its impact on our reality in this life. So I highly recommend that you give yourself the chance to try it once, see what you think. Trust me, you will not regret it. You will not regret it. You can feel anything from a wild, beautiful, psychedelic-like experience to a profoundly deep Zen-like meditation. Um, yeah, come do it with us. I would love to have you, more of our beautiful listeners. Yeah, that's super cool. I can't wait until I get my private practice going, which is in the near future. Stay tuned for that. And get some groups running. It'll be really cool to get that experience that you've already gotten to taste of the two, the podcast world and the private practice world meeting together. I've got a few clients that have trickled into my practice because of this podcast. So I've got a little taste of that, but I'm sure that in the group setting, it must be super cool to feel that collective community energy. It's so cool because we're all on the same mission. You know, if you're listening to this podcast, chances are that you're here digging into your patterns. You're here because you want more out of life. You're here because you know that there is more to life. You're here because you're done with the old narratives that may be ruling society or ruling you. And then we're all in that container together. And it's like, all right, warriors of light, buckle down. Here we go. (laughs) You know, something I've been thinking about is human design and the fact that we're both projectors and that would mean that this is a projector based podcast because oh, we're both projectors. Pretty mental is a projector. Yeah. Pretty mental is a projector and projectors are all about questioning the way that society has done things and finding the, the holes in the systems and helping wow. and, and helping envision new systems. Mm. And that, we talk about that so much on this podcast. This isn't, we're not just like, this is how you self care. Mm-hmm. We're like, the systems are fucked up. <laughs> Question everything. <laughs> They've been lying to us. It's important. There's so much conditioning that takes place. I, you know, I'm talking to some of my teen clients that are in school right now um, about how they spend, what is the school schedule? It's like an eight to five schedule, typically. And it, it's like they start kind of training. You start being trained for this nine to five mentality mm. very early on. And you're essentially getting trained into being a worker in the workforce and following rules. So by the time you become an adult and you graduate, the idea of deciding what you want for your life for a lot of people is not really even an option. It's wow. more like, oh, this is just what I do. This is my routine. This is what you're supposed to do. This is what good people do. This is just, I didn't know I was allowed to question this. Right. Cause you've never experienced anything else. And you I have like six, 17 to 18 years of repetition of doing yeah. the exact same thing. I didn't know I was, I didn't know I was allowed to question it. We touched upon this in that last conversation that around fourth grade, I think as early as fourth grade, my, my spirit started just going down that learn helplessness kind of energy came in and it wasn't until and I remember I I became so passive as much as I had a fire inside of me I became so passive 
into, I mean, I'm just supposed to get good grades and follow along. And I started becoming so depressed. And now looking back, I have a little more insight into why, because I could feel everybody's pain. I don't wear my empath badge on my sleeve the way that some people do, because I also have a very fiery fight inside of me. So you might not know it, but I can feel other people's pain and I see the layers of what's happening. And so picking up on all of that around me, in addition to feeling like I had no choice for how my life was going to go, I think just like smudge, like just brought my spirit down very early on. Mm. Um, yeah. So, I mean, depression and anxiety have so much to do with feeling like we don't have agency over our own lives. It's not just, it's not just the chemical imbalance that they're telling you. No. Oh my God. My friend was telling me the story about her friend who is a pilot or no, no, no. I'm sorry. He couldn't be a pilot because of these freaking structures. You can't be a pilot if you have depression in your chart In your chart. Yeah. I'm like, do they know what depression is? Like, yeah, it's crazy. You should blows my mind. Like his whole dream because he reported that probably at one time he was going through a rougher stage in his life. Like, like what era are we living in? This feels so archaic. Uh, Yeah. Also life insurance will kind of, will dig through and and not, I'm, I'm not a lawyer or anything, but the depression diagnosis is heavier than most people realize. I'm very, I'm very cautious. And I got trained by, uh, my supervisor. My initial supervisor was always like, be very intentional about who you give that diagnosis to. Mm. Because I mean, obviously if you really are struggling with that and you need to have it, then okay. But also the diagnosis conversation is a whole nother thing because there's more and more research showing that diagnoses are not as scientific as the Western medical model would have you believe. There's a ton of overlap between all the symptom descriptions. Um, it's just, it, it's, it can be a very, it's not as objective of a process as these medical models want you to believe that it is. Yeah. And it doesn't even actually get to the root of everything. You know, like when we talk about, I think is it ADD or ADHD that Gabor, Dr. Gabor Mate, he talks about it, how like ADHD. The, it, the ADHD is, is he, he, trauma. it's trauma. It's undiagnosed trauma. Yeah. And the way he explains it, by the way, if you guys don't know about him or haven't dug into any of his work, go do it. Cause he is just so he's brilliant. He's brilliant. And everything he says makes so much sense. And, but meanwhile, we just take this ADHD diagnosis at face value. And we just think we're people who are too hyper and can't sit in one place and focus. So then we think, oh, we're just a little, we're broken essentially. It's so crazy. Question everything. Everything. I mean, and do your best to try to look at yourself in context. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm depressed. Why am I depressed? You know how many clients I've had that are in high school and burnt out from how hard they get pushed by these educational systems. And then as soon as their schedule alleviates, suddenly they're not really that depressed. I know. So really they were actually just burnt out. Yeah. But in the meantime, they probably got medicated and started getting their neurotransmitters messed with just because maybe, I mean, there's a lot of reasons that I can point back to why I had mental health challenges but add to that, this human design element, if 
if we want to look at it through that lens, I'm not the kind of person that can consistently put out a ton of productivity. I need a lot of rest in the middle. And so on top of not getting to choose really what my lifestyle was, I mean, it's funny because we, at the same time that we might've been in those situations, maybe the way that we were raised and how unconventional our parents are, we on some level were found frustration at the fact that we didn't get to choose. I know a lot of people that don't even give themselves permission to be frustrated. Mm. Yeah. They're yeah. just like, you know, oh, this is just how things are. I didn't know I was allowed to think bigger than this. I didn't know I was allowed to think beyond this. That's true. That's true. I was watching this, uh, a clip of a reality show of the real housewives of something, something, whatever Bella Hadid was on and Gigi Hadid, New York, I think. I don't know. And their mom was like telling them it was Gigi's birthday and she was going to eat a piece of cake. And then her mom was like, no, 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 no. Cut that in half and then cut that in half and only have a bite. Remember, we have to keep our bodies like being really hard on her. And cause she's a model and then they kind of just like, Oh, okay. Like they, they listen to her and I'm like, they are some kind individuals. <laughs> what? I'm like you and me, uh-uh. God bless my mother's soul. If she ever did anything to that, she, she know like we, I'm like, how did, how are they so, and this is not, you know, a judgment on them so much as just like, like, how are they so passive with it? You know, why don't they. Why don't why they fire? I don't they <laughs> raise why aren't they? Why aren't they punching holes in the wall? I'm like, that's so crazy. But it must have been, you know, the way that my my mom raised us and my dad raised us that, yeah. you know, if we were told we couldn't do something, we were like, what? Excuse me, For, what? Right. For as much as there was conditioning that they had no choice but to pass on because it was so ingrained in the roots of our culture. For as much as there was some of that, and for as much as they were raising us in a society that is full of rules and systems of conditioning beyond what's happening in the household, they still somehow find found a way to not um, put down our spirit. Yeah. To, to, to still... I mean, what, there's this word I'm trying to think of and I, it's not coming to me. Is it quelch? You know, when there's a fire, you know, when there's a fire and you kind of like, and you kind of, okay, well, no. they didn't put out our fire. No, no, they, they fanned our fire. They fanned our, at the same time, they were like, these are the rules in some instances. Yeah. There was a lot of fanning the fire. <laughs> I know. I was telling in that same conversation, actually, that we were talking about the Gigi and Bella situation. I was telling my friends, I was like, yeah, I started working at, um, I guess illegally. I, I don't know if this is allowed, but I was like 17 working in nightclubs as a door girl and as a hostess. Mm -hmm. And my, I remember doing it and my mom being like, and my friends were telling me like, yeah, when they would do things like that when they were younger, their parents would be like raise hell and they would get in trouble and they would, they were always grounded. I'm like, I remember when I was doing, you know, that kind of stuff. And my mom was like, you are so brave and so adventurous at your age. <laughs> the fact that you can drive out there and work until 3am, like everything to her. She, it was just an amazement and just like would see such a beautiful um, side to it, the beautiful aspect. So I, it really kept our hearts open to seeing that within ourselves. 
and believing in ourselves so much. I always say like, I think I believe in myself so much because look at my mom and look at my dad. Yeah. Well, I do think that being the younger sibling, you got a little bit of, um, a free ride when it came to being in unconventional situations, because as an older, I don't know if any of y'all are older siblings out there, but it's kind of a universal experience for a lot of us that we're the first ones to kind of put ourselves in circumstances that the parents are like, what are you doing? And then by the time the younger sibling gets there, it's like, okay, well, fine. You know? Mm. So I think like when it comes so that might be part of it too. Cause I remember when I started going out in my teens being like out at night, I did get in trouble for that. Mm. I was good though. Like I never drank, excuse me, if I could just back myself up here real quick. I never drank. And I was always like very, very responsible. Okay. And I would tell my parents to pick me up if, in any situations if people were drinking and I was uncomfortable. So I feel like they could also trust me because I was a bit of a nun child as well. Mm, okay. You know, I was super responsible. Yeah. Um, maybe. How so maybe you? they couldn't Paula. trust me. <laughs> how are you? <laughs> tell I was us about your history. I was a nun child. If I could say so myself. As I sip my tea. If I could say so myself, I still definitely will back myself up here. <laughs> I definitely led the way in some unconventionality. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm sure you did. I mean, you know, it's like the a lot of kids, for example, their parents won't let them get a phone until they're 13. But then the moment they get a phone, their eight year old brother can get a phone, too. Yeah. So like that happens all the time. Yeah. But, but I mean, now we're just getting into sibling stuff. The thing one of these days, y'all the can see us have a real rival. The point here <laughs> Stick with us long enough, you'll get the juice. The point here is they fanned our flames at the same time that they tried to give us rules. And I remember just having these thoughts of like when I started actually standing up for myself, I'd be like, no, like this is what I feel and this is what I want. Um, and my mom would be like, you have to respect your parents. And I was like, I remember thinking like, you're the one that taught me to stand up for myself. And now that I'm actually doing it, you're in trouble. Uh, Cause she always made sure to teach us to advocate for ourselves. And then, you know, I think they don't expect that to be internalized as deeply. I don't know. God bless my parents. Mm -hmm. I always think about the journey of, I have children because I want to raise them as consciously as absolutely possible, you know? And I'm like, damn that doing that will for sure bring a mirror to my face of giving them as much freedom as I do want to give them and allowing them to create the identity for themselves that they do want to create in the life for themselves that they do. It'd be a fun yeah. little experiment, right? It's all fun and games until they <laughs> challenge you with it. Uh-huh. So we got off on a major tangent. We did. Let's I have circle back to where we started. I mean, remember. Basic, yeah, basically just here we are questioning systems and wondering why we got a chance to, why we always thought that we could. Mm -hmm. I'm realizing the more and more people I work with, the more and more I find that a lot of people have not given themselves permission mm -hmm. to do that. Yeah. In what sense? Go deeper. In the sense of like, this is just what you do. You yeah. go to school, 
you get your good grades and you get a job and you just kind of fall in line. You fall in line. And then I think people wake up at a certain age and they're like, oh my God, because I feel like you, you do wake up at a certain point because the misalignment from what your spirit actually came to be becomes thicker and thicker and thicker and it manifests as depression and addiction and different mental diseases. Yeah. Until we finally realize something's got to give, something's got to give. And then I think that's what like midlife crises are and of other things that, that really snap us back into questioning. What do I actually want out of life? What do like, what do I really want besides like, because I have the car, the money, the children, the white picket fence, the wife, the husband, I have all the things. So why am I not happy? And it's because a lot of people have been chasing what we've been told is going to keep us happy and not what is actually fulfilling our, our spirits. Yeah. You know, I've, I was, I started thinking of this metaphor of if you take a wild animal and you put it in a cage or just an animal and you put it in a cage at first, it's not, it might not like it. It might hit itself against the walls. It might pace around eventually though. It's just going to lay down. Eventually it's just going to lay down and learn helplessness. Yeah. Like, well, what's the point? This is just what life is. Yeah. And that is so much of what depression actually is at a spiritual soul level. We can point to all the neurotransmitters and look at all the biology, but did that really come first? Yeah. Maybe, maybe there was a predisposition. Maybe there, there was a higher sensitivity to being knocked down like that, but did that really come first or is that, or did suppress years and years of suppressed desires and years and years of feeling like you don't have agency over your own life? Does it at some point burn down your spirit or take out your fire or at some point you just kind of give up? Like, why, why am I going to keep fanning my flame if I'm just hitting up against walls? It's actually making this more painful. I may as well just convince myself that this is okay. Yeah. And the only way that it can be. Yeah. I think that there's some droplets of fear inside of depression as well. You know, Oh, absolutely. People stay in the same place because they have no idea, you know, they've been on this Island for so long and this is what feels safe and everything around them looks good, but why am I not happy? Cause everything around me kind of looks good, you know, and this is what they say I should have. And I have, great opportunities in front of me to, to continue to stay here. Cause if, but if I jump on that Island, I have no idea what's over there, but I, so I'm just going to stay here and stay with the things that look good, even though I'm not happy. And this goes back to the conversation that we had in the last podcast about taking the leap and jumping onto that other Island. You know, I think a lot of the thing it keeps us in depression, that fear of the unknown and the uncertainty and our inability to, really tolerate that discomfort. Mm-hmm. Well, back to this cage metaphor. If you're in there long enough, the outside world, the unknown parts of the world or whatever lies beyond that cage becomes scarier and scarier because it's foreign. Mm. Your, your ability to cope with what may be out there feels diminished because you haven't had to for so long. It's like my cats, you know, if I, if they, they're so used to being in this condo that 
even just stepping out into the hallway, they're like, what is this? Oh my God. What's, you know, into the hallway between the condos, what's going on? Um, versus Missy, our parents cat. (laughs) Oh my God. Y'all, even our animals are wild. Tell them about Missy. (laughs) The scariest cat you've ever seen. Missy, Missy had a backwards evolution. Most it's usually cats that are feral. If caught early enough may eventually be domesticated. Missy started out domesticated and became feral over time. I gave her the little boost to go feral again. That was me. And my, what do you mean that? What do you mean that was you? Boss. What happened? Remember boss? Oh. He scared her. One of the stray animals that I rescued. Yeah. He, and kept him at home for a while. He scared her. Missy climbed up like a billion foot tree, stayed up she there like, for a day and then never she- came back. She was like, that's it. <laughs> Enough of this. I'm going back out into the jungle. Yeah, she's like, fuck this shit. This family what, is too much. I'm out. Whatever, whatever may be out there is better than this. People constantly coming into my territory without my permission. So she's a wild one. She lives outside. Sometimes she comes home with different scratches. She. Yeah. Missy became Missy. Missy's a wild cat essentially half wild, half domesticated, but a little more wild than domesticated. And she'll step outside with no problem. She'll, she'll venture out with no problem because she's gotten used to that. Yeah. She, she's already pushed past the limits of her initial territory, but my cats have been pretty domestic. They've been very domestic at home cats. So all his cats are in the learned helplessness category. (laughs) I know. And I feel bad for that. I know. And I feel bad for that. Oh, it's such a dilemma, but I've, I tried getting them used to being at parks and, and stuff in the very beginning. And I was just like, I feel like this is torture for them. And for me, like, this is not working out. Maybe, maybe if I just had one cat, that would have been easier, but they are, they, they are. Yeah. <laughs> no, they're <laughs> very happy with you. I have to just make fun of that, but I'm sure they're very happy with you, but they'll, yeah. I mean, they'll never know how good it feels to climb a really high tree. Mm. they're not going to know this is just comfortable for them. And it's the same for humans. If we find it enough of a comfortable situation, we can, we get depressed into that. We just kind of settle into it. Our souls are meant to keep expanding. Yeah. And when we don't give ourselves permission to do that, we try to keep fitting it into a smaller and smaller um, space until that it hurts too much, too much to be big in a small space. So we start to make ourselves smaller. I was listening to a podcast with, um, Tony Robbins today. And he was saying how, what is an unhappy person? And he said, someone who's not growing and someone who's not giving the two factors to him that equal happiness is growing and giving. And we're meant to grow. We're meant to grow. We're meant to evolve you know, if we're not expanding and stepping outside of, you know, that cliche little, whatever the, what is it? Something is always outside of your comfort zone. It's so real though. Everything yeah. is outside all, all your hopes and dreams or whatever. It's out of, your comfort, of zone. your comfort zone. And I, so I've been taking, I think for more than a month now, I've only been taking cold showers only oh, wow. not even warm and then cold, just straight cold. And when it started, it was the first maybe like six were so cold and I was so uncomfortable, but I am, 
I needed, I had to pull out all the stops because I'm going through a few transitions in my life right now. And I wanted, <laughs> when are we not going through transitions? Dude, I was literally, literally listening to this podcast. <laughs> I think the last one. And I'm like, do I start every fucking one? Like, so I've been going through like, you know, this thing and I'm like, holy shit. And it's funny though, because then it made me really realize it put it in the, what I always preach. I was able to see in real time how, you know, we think that we have to be on this ecstatic high of happiness in order for to be happy. Right. Like we think we need to feel joy and this like extreme, like everything has to be amazing in order to feel happy and, and be good with life. But it really is when you're able to change your relationship to what happiness is that you can begin to live a happy life because you can begin to see the obstacles and the hard moments as growing stepping stones to coming home to yourself, to stepping into your next level of evolution, to things that need to be exposed to you in order for you to get the thing that you want. And also learn to see the sad times as part of this human experience. So, you know, you know, the sad times will take you by surprise and they will really feel like the, you know, life sucks forever. If we don't realize in those hard times, oh, this is just part of the human experience. And can I hold these sad, empty feeling times as sacred too? I think really, if we can re, re, frame. Do, reframe our relationship with what, what, what is happiness? Do you need to have like amazing things happening to you, you know, all around, or it can be um, like stereotypically amazing things, or can it be amazing that you are a human experiencing the rainbow of emotions? And can you know that everything is temporary and can you just stay here and breathe a little deeper when your body feels like it wants to constrict, can you soften a little more when you want to harden? And can you allow this to really let you be human? And then when the joy, you know, stereotypical joyous moments come too, that's also part of the human experience. So we're not married to either one. It's just really surfing the waves of what this is. Yeah. But so circling back to my cold showers, so cold, so cold. And I was, some days I was like, really, do I even want to take a shower today? Who needs showers? <laughs> because I was, Who I needs showers? said to myself, like, we're gonna, we're gonna take a shower. It's going to be cold. And that's, I'm not going to go back on my word with that. So then like my ass, we're, we're just not I don't need a shower. <laughs> Two weeks now shower. We're good to go. <laughs> Finding and, a way around this. And we, me, I was, I, then I started, you know, miserable. And then by the third time I started, I literally started freestyle, like either rapping or creating poems in there to get me through it. But like affirmation ones, corniest shit ever, but it's can great. We, can we hear one of them? I need to, I should actually record myself in the shower. So you guys, because they come out when I'm not thinking, cause you're, I'm so cool. Like I, I need something to, so for I needed something to get me through it. So then I started being like, um, God, I don't know, like, like, uh, this is for my growth and it would just rhyme, rhyme, rhyme. And it would all be something to help me realize why I was doing it. And Uh then it would, and in those moments I would be like, okay, like it made me just it, it tolerable. And also I was feeding my mind with beautiful little poetic rhymes and affirmations. So then I, that was how I started being able to 
have fun with it and get, get better. And then I, and then I kept, then I kept doing it. And then I started just like literally looking at myself in the mirror and being like, cause it was so fucking cold. I mean, guys start doing it and you'll feel my pain. (laughs) That's funny. Oh, huh. I'm just, I'm, I'm laughing because right before this podcast, I took a shower and I literally put it on as hot as possible. <laughs> Simmering in oh the, the warmth. Uh, and I did that too. And for the longest time, even though I, I used to do cryotherapy, actually, when I was going through a really, my depressive many years, I would do cryotherapy all the time. And it was the one thing that would snap me out of it. And cryotherapy, by the way, is essentially, um, you get into like a, chamber that they blow cold air on you. It's very cold, very cold. And so it's like a cold shower, but air, not liquid. And then, so then I started getting into the shower or before I got in the shower and looking at myself in the mirror and I'm like, you are the creator. You are the creator. You get to like create this experience. It's all in your perspective. Like, what is this? What is this? I'm really like hyping myself up all the way and then going in and then showering really quick and getting my hair and then getting out. And then as I kept going, I realized I would frame my perspective. I'm like, okay, I, this is dreadful because I'm scared of it. But what if I started framing it as like, I love the hard things. I love the hard things. I love it because this is what's going to wake me up. I love doing this. And then now I've straight up in there. I'm like picking knots out of my hair, just staying under the cold. Oh, now it's nothing to me. It's cold. But the second I get there, I'm like, I yell. my neighbors must hear me every single day. I blast brown skin girl by Beyonce brown skin <laughs> girl. It's like Caribbean Jamaican uh-huh. fun music. And oh, I know um, that song. You know, we love it. <laughs> <laughs> that changes our, our whole J- Caribbean sounds are like, dude, my, it really is my soul in music form. It really is. And yeah. I play that on repeat and I'm just literally in there like freezing and I'm like, whoa. like just yelling and letting it out, but like fully in love with the experience. And now I literally look forward to them. You look forward to them. I do because I love it. I love it for, I had to really work with my relationship with, it was a journey. And and then I began to reframe as like, I love doing the hard things. I fucking love it. Whereas before I was like, this is miserable. Why am I doing this? But then when you start to say that to yourself, I love doing the hard things. And you change the weight of what hard means. Hard doesn't mean scary to me anymore. Hard just means there's an adjustment period that's going to take place, but it's going to lead to liberation for me. And that's fully what it does. It wipes my brain fog, my, any kind of like minor sadness, whatever. Hard means that your comfort zone is being pushed. Yeah. And that's okay. It doesn't have to, we don't have to be in sugar coated experiences all the time, you know? No, we actually don't benefit from that at all. We There's don't a time benefit and a place from, from for it, you know. But that's we, true. That's true. Yeah, but not all the time. Mm-mm. No, you probably. I mean, a balance between the two things is important. Yeah, because if we, our brains are our brains developed to keep us safe not happy. Mm. So it takes a soul level hijacking of our hardware to actually live the life that feels the most expansive to our spirit. Mm -hmm. 
You know, it's yeah. like it's kind of like our cars. I, mean, I don't know what's going on with car technology at this point, but our cars were were developed to to drive effectively, not necessarily to make us good drivers. We got to go in there. And we got to steer the ship. So that attachment and addiction, addic- I'll call it an addiction, really, because it, it's there is nothing more influential in the human system than that need for survival. So once we start identifying things as threatening, we do everything we can to avoid it. And if we get trained into our comfort zone being this minuscule thing, anything outside of that is threatening. And our lives just get smaller and smaller and we get addicted to the comfort zone of that fear, as painful as it sounds, um, as as non-fulfilling as it sounds, it becomes a way of life. And so we have to go in there and we have to hijack that hardware and do what you're describing, which is we have to start doing the opposite of what our brains evolved to do, which was, oh, you feel fear, you feel discomfort, get away from that because your life is in danger. That's not the case anymore. The things that are actually threatening us on a daily basis are more complex and layer than that. So if we don't go in there and we don't hijack that response, it's going to keep our, make our life very, very small. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is why I am so stubborn about my mornings and telling my, and feeding my mind with the narratives that I want to guide my life before any other narratives come in, because I have the narratives of society that bring me, I still feel the fear and the sadness and the discomfort and the, the moments of self-doubt, but I don't feed that. I don't feed them. I see them and I'm aware of them and I keep moving in the other direction fully. And when I wake up in the mornings, that is the time when, you know, our brain waves are still slow and we're more in the hypnotic state where I imprint myself with what I want to believe. And I call out my intentions for what I want to experience in the day. And that holds more weight than anything. But if I don't do that, I'm going to be pulled from a million different directions. We have to be, we have to take charge of our lives in every single minute and be super intentional about it because if we're not something else is someone else is. Yeah. When you're, when you were describing earlier that the joy and the happiness of human experience is not what we think it is. And it's really more so about surfing the waves of everything that happens and that maybe happiness is embracing, being able to embrace all the different waves Mm -hmm. of what's happening. Um, if I got that correctly, what was coming up for me is that I'm starting to think of happiness and joy as kind of like the preliminary thing that's necessary for us to feel true, authentic happiness and joy in this life is to be in our, to be able to believe that we have power, Mm -hmm. to be in our power, to be able to believe in ourselves, because if we don't believe in ourselves, then when the scary things start happening, we become victims to them. And then at that point, if you don't believe in yourself and you have an inner abusive part that emotionally abuses you and you haven't done the work on that, um, then hard things start happening or you experience a rejection or you experience those waves that you were describing and you become completely overwhelmed by them. 
because mm-hmm. you are not in your power to believe that you can actually surf it and you can actually that you have in you what it takes to stand up with your chest out and be able to navigate that space effectively. If you believe in yourself and you have a more and you've proven to yourself that you can trust yourself and you keep leaning into the hard things and and you become your inner, you know, you kind of you're able to call on that part that maybe took on the role of emotionally abusing you because that's what that's what starts happening and help it shift over to being an inner motivator. Then then when life brings the waves, then you if you feel like you're in your power, you're going to be happy. Mm-hmm. Regardless of what's happening. Yeah. So it's being able to surf the waves. And before that, being able to believe that you can surf the waves. Yeah. And doing it before doing it and then get evidence afterwards. Don't wait for evidence first. Do it and then give yourself the evidence. Yeah. If you wait for evidence, you're never going to get any. You're not going to move anywhere. I think it takes getting to the point where you are fed up with being hostage to your own fear. Yeah. And I think a really important, I know a really important point to mention in all of this is part of taking back our own power requires working with our physiology. So exercise, breathing, taking control of what is going on in your body Mm -hmm. fully. Like when this morning I felt horrible brain fog, horrible. It was so bad. And when I feel brain fog, I feel it sends messages to me of sadness a little bit because I feel more suppressed Mm -hmm. and I don't have like that lust for life, you know, and I just feel like dull and dimmed out. And I was, you know, I don't know how I would have handled it in the past. Maybe I would have just classified, like taken them and seen, oh, today's just a sad day. And then classified myself as a sad person. I don't know. Or I would have just been like, oh yeah, it makes sense that I'm sad because life sucks. I don't know. But now, because I have proven to myself that I have way more power than I ever thought I did when these moments come and because I've flexed the muscle and worked the muscle of doing the things that are hard and loving the hard things, I was like, hell no, not today. I was like, I went <clears throat> on a super, like not, not super intense, but like a below intense, but more than a run, <laughs> but not a sprint um, run hike. And I was just like, like moving my body. And I was like, hell, like, no, just no, I am not, I'm not being stuck there today. I'm not, I'm not. And then I did some breath work and I breathed a little deeper into the parts of me that felt constricted. And I came back and I got my energy back and I realized what an illusion that sad state was. And even something like brain fog, that's very physical that you think like, you know, do you have control over that? Yeah, you do. Maybe not all the way. I still feel it like slightly a little bit, but you have some leverage. I have some leverage. Yeah. That's actually what happened to me. Um, Hence why it's drying now, but I began this podcast with wet hair um, because I was like, I need to get this run in before the podcast because I woke up. I don't know if it's the seasonal lethargy, which some people call seasonal depression. If, if you're not, you know, being able to move to challenge it. it be, I've heard it, it called the depression. January blues. 
too. Okay. Yeah. See, I don't know. I've been, I feel like I've been getting enough sleep and not feeling well rested and how it manifested for me was just like, I just felt this energy of agitation all day, which is in agitation can be a sign that like your, your system is under stress. I mean, it really is. It is a sign that your system is under stress, um, can be a sign of anxiety for some people. It just shows up as like, I need to fight. (laughs) And for some people it's the opposite, but I just felt this energy of agitation all day, like very, very little space to take in any, any additional inconvenience. And same thing. I was like, I have to run. And there was a part of me that was like, no, like you're not going to have enough time. And then you have to wash your hair. You know, there's, there's always that part that starts talking you out of doing what you know is going to help you expand. And I went on a very similar, a little bit above a run, but below a sprint. (laughs) And my energy completely changed. Mm -hmm. You have to enlist your body Mm -hmm. on this mental health journey. When I, I, I am that there, you know, it's crazy is they don't, these systems are such a mess. Honestly, when we are in grad school, they don't, they don't really talk to you about encouraging your clients to eat healthy and to work out. Because if you're not a nutritionist and you don't have the certifications to be a nutritionist, or you're not a a personal trainer, you don't have the certifications to be a personal trainer, then it's outside of the realm of really what your expertise is. Like there's, you can't tell people to work out and eat healthy. I mean, you can, you can, but it's not a very minimally. Like it's not, it's not something that is a focus of what they're teaching people in these mental health education programs, which I always had a, I I never felt good about that. We would be in a mental health um, educational program and they would bring us cookies and donuts, (laughs) you know, when I'm like, this is why do you keep, you know, before tests or something like this, one does not equal the other. Like That's you crazy. leave the body out of the mental health conversation. So I am that therapist that I'm like, have you been working out? And not a lot of therapists you'll find maybe more now. I can't say I'm the only one cause I'm not, but I am one of those therapists that I will ask my clients, like, have you gotten outside? Have you moved your body? Have you gone to breath work with Valentina? Have you just have you have you engaged your physical vessel in any way? Because if not, you're really whatever effort like you're cutting yourself short in the potential um, benefits of the therapy experience. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> and if you don't have your health, you don't have. It's hard. Like I've, I mean, if you guys have been listening long enough, you know that I'm on a hormone journey trying to figure out like what's happening. But there's days where I feel so debilitated, so debilitated. I can't think straight. I can't like, I can't keep my eyes open and it feels like, God, I have all this amazing stuff around me. And on those days, like, I feel like I have almost nothing because without your health, you can't engage in everything that is here for you, you know? And even on those days, I push myself to keep going because I refuse you refuse to waste days, but it's hard. It's really, really hard. 
And something like breath work, for example, I have clients who will, who will feel intense shoulder pain, neck pain, pain in their bodies. And when we breathe and we engage the breath and use it as fuel, as the vehicle to move the energy that's stagnant and stuck in our bodies, because oftentimes neck pain and shoulder pain and different pain in our body is a manifestation of an energetic that's stuck in our body of an energy that we have maybe mentally processed, but not, it hasn't physically removed itself from our body. And when we breathe, I'll have clients all the time that are like, I don't feel that anymore. I literally felt something pop in my neck, like an air pop. And that's gone. I literally feel the hip, the pain that I was feeling in my hip completely move. It's not there anymore. Your body, if you can use your body on this healing journey, you are, it will take you so far. We can't just engage our minds. We can't just engage, you know, reading positive memes all the time on Instagram or whatever. Mm-mm. Like we have to like, it's a full body experience, mind, body, and soul. Yeah. I was watching this guy give a monkey CPR the other day. Did my mom oh, send you that meme? I love those monkey reels. <laughs> this guy was giving a monkey CPR and it's just amazing to watch how like breathing, pumping on the heart and breathing oxygen into someone else's body, your oxygen, like passing it on while creating that rhythm in the heart can bring the soul back. It can literally bring the soul back mm-hmm. into the vessel. And I mean, I was just watching that and I was like, Jesus, like we really underestimate the power of breath mm-hmm. and yeah. really the, the power of rhythm too. Like our hearts are constantly beating at a rhythm. Mm-hmm. It, it's not just all emotional intelligence. No, no, mm-hmm. we have to really learn how our bodies work and how we can hack them, you know, or use our breath, how it's intended to be used today. I was posting in my stories about a little bit about the breath and anytime that you experience stress or anything, slightly traumatic, we hold our breath. That's the first thing that we do. And when we hold our breath, we cut off life. We start bracing against life. And when we're not aware of that, we're doing that, that becomes a habit and a pattern. And we start holding our breath throughout life, you know, but if we catch ourselves and we change from shallow breathing to deep, long exhales and allow ourselves to pay attention to that breath and come back into our bodies with it, and we're intentional with it all, then we engage life. We allow ourselves to sit in the discomfort while still being here. We don't cut ourselves off. We don't brace ourselves off. We don't store. The, when, we, when we stop breathing and we freeze, that energy gets stored in our bodies. And that later manifests as dis, dis-ease. But when we can continue to breathe through something and allow ourselves to be present, we allow it to work its way through our body and feel everything that is here while knowing that we're going to be okay and remembering to stay in our bodies. It'll pass through us so much quicker, so much quicker. Yeah. If we are not empowering our bodies on this journey, we are cutting our potential power off by, I don't know. I want to say like 70% or some crazy number like that, even though I know that if the mind, they can, they're both equally important there, but like you'll, you'll have 50% mental health. If you're, if you're just trying to do it with your mind. 
and you'll have 50% mental health if you're just trying to do it with your body. It's not, you're not going to be in your full power. The idea here is to come back to your power as much as possible. And that means being willing to come into our bodies and to identify where the energy of fear is making decisions for us mm -hmm. on this journey. Something I've started asking myself and having my clients ask themselves is, what would fear have me choose? Some, I'm sure you've heard it say like, what would love do? What would mm -hmm. love have me choose? And I'm sure whoever heard it, we say it. <laughs> do we say that? What would love do? Is this, well, we typically say. I'm sure you've heard the famous quotes. <laughs> by Not the us. We, sisters. <laughs> it was, um, is this love or is this fear disguised as love? Is, is Okay. That's a version yeah. of it. Yeah. yeah. So the one but I like the more direct speaking what, straight to fear. What would fear have me choose? And fear, the energy of resistance is very similar as is, is fear. It's a version of fear. So that, that helped me make the decision to go out on that run before this podcast. Because it was like, what would fear have me do? What would resist and put resistance in there? One and the same. It would have me make a little tea, put on some, some music and just kind put of on like, my snuggie. <laughs> put on my snuggies and pet my cat pet my cat and just swim in that energy of agitation which would have done no one any good not any good for you <laughs> listeners for me to jump on <laughs> with agitated energy that would do nothing and also I feel way better but just being able to ask myself that it's like suddenly when you're able to bring that consciousness to yourself that like oh, this is what fear would have me choose. Once you name it, even if you don't make a different decision in that moment, if you stick with that question, it, that, that, that morsel of consciousness that'll start entering your experience is going to start shifting you in the direction of choosing differently. Mm -hmm. You can't ask yourself that question forever and continue to choose fear once you start waking up to it could you imagine <laughs> what would fear have me choose it would tell me to go to bed <laughs> off i go good night everybody <laughs> i'm sure that's gonna happen honestly gonna happen. what would fear have me do <laughs> go eat some ice cream off i go vanilla please <laughs> it's cookies and ice cream for me tonight goodbye what would fear have me do Avoid that conversation. <laughs> Avoidance <Goodbye>. forever. <laughs> right. Yeah, if we can become aware, becoming aware is the first step. Become aware of when that fear hits. Because like you said in the beginning, a lot of us aren't even aware that we're in this, you know, walking like sheep on earth because we have never experienced otherwise. But once we become aware, then we can change. And once we become aware when fear hits, then we can change. And I saw a post about procrastination the other day. And this was, it's crazy. I've never thought about procrastination this way. And it was so powerful. I think I know. <laughs> it was about how just feeling the, well, your memory is probably better than mine with this, but it is, or maybe not. <laughs> Both right. of us will figure it out. But talking about how when we feel procrastination, 
oftentimes we, we just see it as something that we don't want to, we're like, oh, I'll get to, we just blow it off. We know we I'll do it later. But when we can reframe it and just start getting, feeling the discomfort in our bodies, like, oh, it, do you remember what they were saying? Like, was it? A- yeah. Fear. It, he's amazing. Who was um, it? He's this professor for one of the, for an Ivy league university that teaches positive psychology or mindfulness. Oh, he was a Buddhist. He's a Buddhist. Too. Yeah. I yeah. know exactly what you're talking about because I heard that. I was, on. Like, I was like, that is such a good way to put it. I've okay. 1 million percent been passing that message on essentially is that procrastination is at its fun, at its most basic an avoidance of discomfort, avoidance That's, of yeah. un- an avoidance of uncomfortable emotions. You're avoiding an uncomfortable emotion. So when we can feel that procrastination and just feel the discomfort in our bodies and stick with it while we do the thing, we would get so much more done. And yeah. for some reason, you know, it's the most simple thing. Cause we talk about this all the time, but yeah. talking about procrastination in that way was like, whoa. Yeah. I hadn't really heard it framed in that, in that exact way. Yeah. So even yeah. in procrastination, when we can become aware that there's just a strong discomfort in our bodies. And can we just breathe into that and be with that discomfort and tolerate yeah. it just a little bit more? Can you love on it? Love on it. You too. don't even, yeah. I mean, I don't know. To me, sometimes loving on it, like seems like such a far reaching thing. It's like loving cleaning my room. Are you kidding me? But maybe, maybe. Well, hold it with compassion. It doesn't have to be like, we are in love. <laughs> yeah. Procrastination and I. Just no, recognize the holding it, holding it with Holding it with compassion. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do think that aiming for that, and it's a process to get there, but aiming for that is, is a really important key to all of this because I see a lot of people, myself included, I've been on the journey of coming out of this for a few years, um, trying to motivate themselves through harshness. And what, what that's doing is reinforcing the inner war. So you might get the thing done and face into that, but you have also shown yourself that it's not safe to be inside of you. So like it'll work temporarily, but it's not a long-term solution because it's not, if you, if you can't experience peace within yourself, every emotion over time becomes threatening. So it's not really a long-term solution. At some point you, you might get it done for a while, but then at some point you're going to want to dissociate because it's all too much anyways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man, we didn't even talk about what we were going to talk about. <laughs> and I think we've hit an hour. You'll have to tune in for next time. It's a good one. Should we give them a little snippet? Okay. We're going to talk about the idea of being a good person. <gasps> I have low battery on my computer. How much? I don't know. This can't at 6%. Should I go get my charger really quick? Or I have a moment. Okay. We can wrap this up real quick. (laughs) What would fear have me do? do? I don't know. I'm stuck. My computer's going to die. Yeah. We want to bring the conversation to you guys of a lot of people in our society and our systems and probably the religious roots to all of this decide there's a big attachment to this idea of being a good person. And that comes with a low tolerance for guilt. And that comes with um, a low tolerance for being misunderstood and rubbing anybody the wrong way. And somewhere along the lines, a lot of people have combined being a good person with not having boundaries because being a good person means you don't upset anybody. Mm -hmm. And really that just sets a lot of people up for 
abandoning themselves. And it sets a lot of people up for being really good candidates for anybody that wants to be manipulative. Yeah. I like the, the guilt part of that too, that, that we're going to dive deeper into. Yeah. I think that's, that's one emotion that we can continue to unpack over and over oh, and over again. Yeah. Feeling sure. it. And like, why the fuck do I feel it so much? Why, what even is this? What is guilt? You know? So tune in pretty mental fam. Oh my God. I'm at 5%. We love you with our whole souls. We love you. Los queremos mucho. Los queremos mucho. Thank you so much for being on this journey with us. If we've been getting some beautiful notes on our Instagram DMs from you guys about what this show means to you and how it's impacting you. And it's so inspiring. You. It's so inspiring. It, it helps to fan our flames, fan our flames. We will fan you right back. And yes. we would love if you guys could, cause those are so amazing and I want them to live forever and I want other people to see them so we can grow this community. If you guys feel so inspired, can you give us some reviews on our Instagram, not our Instagram, on our podcast, some, some reviews saying, you know, what do you love about this episode? What do you love about pretty mental in general? How has it impacted you? And those will live on forever and they will impact the algorithm for people to join our community. And that's what we want to do ultimately is just spread this far and wide so that more and more people can question the systems so that more and more people can come back home to themselves so that more people can wake up from the sheep mentality that they didn't even want in the first place. You know, we are on a mission to liberate ourselves, liberate each other. And truly we need you guys as help for it. It can't just be me and Paula behind <laughs> this computer all the time. <laughs> and the what? algorithms 7%. help. Why did I go from six to five to seven? Because you just inspired God, your computer. God is on our side. You just inspired your computer with that energetic, motivational. I know. For real. It was like, oh, I feel that. <laughs> they, deserve, they deserve they deserve 2% more. <laughs> All right, guys, we love you. Remember that all parts of you are welcome here. Mwah, mwah, mwah. Tune in with us every Monday. And Peace come out. hang with us on Instagram. Bye. Yes, bye.